Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. When you have too much on your plate and you feel like you're just running around lost in the forest, sit down, make a fire, open a can of beans, and then when you're feeling full and well-rested, climb the nearest tree and plan your exit. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I am Edwin Frondoso. Welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining me. This is episode number 77, and I'm excited to share the conversation I had with Laura Copeland, the Chief Medical Officer at Health Tech. Laura's career is an interesting journey where she started in a role of Director of Billing and Compliance in the Emergency Department at the Cleveland Clinic, where she was the champion of their department for the implementation of of their first health information system. She eventually moved to Toronto, where she became the Director of Medical Informatics at Humber River Hospital, leading their 600-plus physicians from their paper world into North America's first fully digital hospital. She recently joined Health Tech, Canada's leading healthcare information management services consulting company. In our conversation, Laura recounts her journey from being an office manager to a resident doctor and now a physician informaticist. She talks about how she conquered her limiting beliefs that she had while transitioning into her current roles and what leading with compassion means to her. Our sponsors today is Lux Second Chance the leader in online luxury resale, and the Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Laura. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, no, it's nice to have you. I'm really excited. Um, for those who are listening, I, I f- first time I actually heard of Laura was when I was at a an event, and I just thought she had such amazing insight uh, when it came to technology and healthcare. But I, I thought it should be great to to get on the podcast and really find out about her journey in business leadership. Uh, and I don't want to get into it. Um, I know in my intro, I probably talked about where she. She's she, where she came from, and but uh, Laura, why don't we just why don't I just get you to start off by introducing yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about yourself, who, specifically. Who are you when you're not growing or leading businesses? Oh, okay. Um, who am I when I'm not leading businesses? So I guess first, hi, I'm Dr. Laura Copeland. Um, I'm sure we can talk a lot about what I do for work. But when I'm not leading businesses, I'm hanging out with my kids. I'm cooking. I love to cook. And I'm doing new weird things for the most part. Um, Every couple of years, I come up with something that I'm not really sure I want to do, but I think, hey, it might be fun to try. And I do it. So for example, five years ago, I started to learn how to play the guitar and sing with it. So that that was engaging for a while there. And last year, I started to do Taekwondo with my kids. Wow. So much fun. That that's that's kind of cool actually. So I guess I guess my question to you Laura is uh where has the the guitar and singing gone? I I, I can we find you at a local stage? 
You know, one of the things about these new things that I do is it's really about being comfortable with being really bad at something. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. I, I can relate to that. <laughs> I, I am absolutely perfectly suited for the campfire with the kids and the guitar. That's great. But you're definitely not going to be seeing me anytime soon at the local coffee shop. But so tell me about the Taekwondo. Like, what? why did you do this? Is the kids in it or is it just like, you want to just, like you said, try something new. So really why I did it was I needed an activity for the kids. And I realized that I was spending so much time running all over the place, driving them places that I wasn't having any time for myself to do exercise. And so I thought, well, how can I accomplish both of these simultaneously? So there's a Taekwondo studio at the end of our street. We can walk there. We don't have to drive there. A lovely stroll together, with the family. And um, they do family classes. So we can all take the class together and get our belts and do a little belt testing together. So it was uh, a great way for me to get some exercise and to hang out with my kids. And it, they're actually still at the age where that's a cool thing for mom to do. I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that's that's a parenting tip right there for those parents <laughs> that are listening. If you're trying to find an activity and you find yourself running around just driving your kids to activity, just join them, right? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so why don't we just get into it, Laura? Um, I know recently you have, you know, you have new a new role, you have different things you're doing. So why don't we just start off there? Like, tell us, tell us about the organizations you're with or you're with, let us know your current roles and responsibilities. And, and maybe this could be a lo super loaded question, but what are you trying to accomplish over the next six to 12 months? Yeah, that is a super loaded question. You know, I think as I approach that question, I have to step back and tell you a little bit about where I came from before I can tell you where I am. Because um, I don't know that it really makes a whole lot of sense without the background. I like that. I like that. Okay, okay good. So I am an emergency physician by training. Um, now I practice medical psychotherapy. And when I started in emergency medicine, I was the only graduating resident who knew anything about it was in the U.S. I was the only graduating resident who knew anything about billing and compliance because I had worked in a family practice office as their office manager before I went to medical school. And this was right at the time that hospitals were implementing health information systems in the States. And in the States, it's so much about billing and what you're documenting in your health information system. So they thought this was a really wonderful marriage. And when I started at the Cleveland Clinic, they hired me as their director of billing and compliance in order to roll out their health information system with all this extra knowledge that I had. So that was the beginning of it all. I never in a million years would have believed that I would be an informaticist in my career. I didn't even know what that was. And I think most people still don't. Uh, but it grew from there, and I was hired at Humber River Hospital. They were implementing their new health information system and moving into North America's first fully digital hospital. And they needed somebody to lead their 600-plus physicians mm -hmm. along this journey, and that was me. And that's what I did for the last nine years. So I've had a couple of implementations of health information systems under my belt, and I'm now stepping out into the private sector. I'm the chief medical informatics officer at Health Tech, 
And I get the joy of sharing everything that I have experienced thus far in, in my life and journey in informatics with other hospitals and organizations across all of Canada. And then also a wonderful opportunity to learn from them. And I'm really hoping that there'll be sort of a rapid learning process as I get to see so many different places approaching things from different perspectives and seeing what's working, what isn't working, where do people need help and support? So, um, so that's where I am. Well, congrats on the new role. I mean, that, that sounds super exciting for someone who's, who's developed and implemented these in, in a number of places. And now you're, you're going to be like that hub when it comes to deploying these type of uh, systems across across Canada, at least, and seeing what, what changes and, and getting really the best practices. I certainly hope so. Um, I think one of the things that's, that's particularly exciting about this position, and I may be wrong here, so if anybody out there listening knows that there's another physician consultant in this field that's been hired full-time by a company, I'd love to know. But from my experience, you see a lot of part-time engagement of physicians. Nobody's really willing to fully invest in the development of a physician informaticist. So I think this is the first, which is a lot of pressure. <laughs> well, definitely a lot of pressure, but I guess being the first, it's okay to to make mistakes, right, Laura? It's always okay to make mistakes. Absolutely. <laughs> no, for sure. As so long sure. as you learn from them, right? <laughs> no, exactly. So coming into this new role, what are you what are you looking for in the next six months? Like are you already engaged in different organizations now? Or, or what, like what's the dream scenario right now for you? Well, there are a lot of different things um, cooking. So the province of Ontario has been working for some time on coming up with clinical standardization. Uh, so we're moving to more of a, a hub system where we have a few health information systems that will service multiple different organizations. And in order to do that adequately, we have to come up with some kind of clinical standardization of what, what do you expect when you log into the system from a, a nursing documentation perspective, from a physician documentation perspective, from an order set perspective. Um, it needs to be usable in multiple different locations. So that's one of the things that I'm working on in Ontario. The, the other thing that we're working on is Nova Scotia is about to, this is so exciting to me, the province is going to go live with one health information system. So the entire province will be on one health record, mm. which is from a patient perspective, that is that is amazing. You don't have to tell your story 50 million times. The expectation I think we all have that when you go in to see the doctor, they'll actually know about what's happened to you, even if it hasn't happened within that hospital, that'll actually be a reality there. So we're starting to help them in Nova Scotia, and I'm so excited to see how that turns out. I mean, that's really exciting. I, I mean, just listening to you, I'm really, I'm really, I'm super excited for you. I mean, and it seems like, you know, you've got to this position by, like you said, like, I mean, you did just a minute of where you came from and how you got there. And I'm sure we could probably spend a whole episode <laughs> just talking about the, the different things that you did. But I guess keeping that in mind and how you got there, because people who are listening are like, wow, she she has a dream job, right? Um, I'd like, <laughs> I'd love it if you could uh, share maybe a key, a key decision that you had to make. Maybe it was a very difficult one, Laura, that really you know, move the dial, it eventually allowed you to, to grow as a business leader. Sure. Well, um, I think there's 
probably little doubt that the biggest turning point for me was when I left behind emergency medicine. So I don't practice emergency medicine anymore. Um, and, and maybe I'll tell you a little bit about what was going on in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. I had been doing both. I had been practicing emergency medicine and I had been working on informatics at Humber. Uh, and I had actually taken a little bit of time off of the emergency department because as we were moving into a really rapid implementation through three hospitals simultaneously, um, I needed to be there full time. So I had taken some time off. I was there full time. We'd gone live. Everything was up and running. It was a marvelous success. And I said, okay, time to go back to the emergency department. And it was so hard. It was hard because I realized I needed to catch up again. There's just the breadth of practice in emergency medicine. It's so huge. Um, and I guess so many things change too, right? Yeah. And you want to keep up with the, with the research. You want to be practicing the best that you can for your patients. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, the field of informatics was growing exponentially. So how to keep up with that and keep up with emergency medicine. And I also, I guess I initially had this expectation that my job might become less after I did this implementation, then it would sort of peter off and go away. And that was not the reality of the situation. <laughs> I realized it, it was a forever kind of thing. And I had to decide, am I going to leave behind my emergency medicine career and take a risk and become an informaticist and really do a good job of doing that? And it was such a scary place to be because here in Canada, it is not a recognized specialty in medicine, informatics. In the States, it now is, but here it is not. So you're really leaving behind any kind of credible medical practice in order to become this something new. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, Laura. Um, a couple of things that you were talking about, and it might resonate with, with many listeners who are contemplating or they have this other new project that they you know that they've been taking on and it and it's growing i've had that myself in my career i'd love to understand how long it really took you and and like like what questions were you asking yourself before you eventually made that 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 decision that's a really good question and and actually i um I've done this now twice because I the process that I went through when I left Humber to move into consulting was a very similar process. And I noticed some parallels for myself. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is this unrest um, and inability to settle into what I'm doing. So when I was practicing emergency medicine, I would I would come in and I, this was my practice anyway. I'd come in about 15 minutes before my shift. I would meditate for 15 minutes mm. and then. I would be focused and I would be ready to deal with whatever the moment presented to me. Well, as I was going through this transition, I was finding I would meditate for 15 minutes. And instead of that focus that I was so used to, I had become accustomed to, I still felt a whole lot of agitation. And then I would try to meditate more because I was trying to fix it, which is so funny if you meditate. (laughs) But um, because meditation doesn't really fix what is. It does, however, help you kind of sort out what is. And I I recognized that I just wasn't in the place that I was supposed to be, that there was something new coming for me. And I I hadn't fully understood what that would be or or perhaps I didn't feel the security in 
and defining that as an entity like informatics. I'm an informaticist. Is that an, is, is that anything real? Um, and that was sort of the transition that I had from emergency medicine into informatics. And, of course, you get an incredible amount of relief of that agitation once you make the decision, which I think is also really an important indicator that, hey, yeah, you're you're ready to do this. This is this is what you have to do in your life. And the same thing happened as I left Humber and moved to consulting. It was sort of like that. I'm not feeling like I'm doing what I'm supposed to by staying with one hospital. I feel more comfortable out there in the world, seeing what other people are doing, being able to share some of my experience, being able to do some problem solving with them. And again, it was the same thing. I I started finding myself meditating more, sitting in the car (laughs) before I'd go into work and thinking, what am I doing? Why is it now 45 minutes sitting here in the car? What am I thinking is going to change or or do I actually think that the agitation is going to clear just by sitting here? No, for sure. I could definitely relate as well. As you, as you meditate and you really got into that realization, tell me how it felt when you actually made that decision and, and now you're on the other side of that decision, even presently. Well, it's such a relief. <laughs> um, and and no fear anymore. It's like um, you've jumped off the cliff and that's done. So <laughs> you either fly or you find that you just have to make another choice. And fortunately, it's always been flying for me. Um, yeah, so a relief and an excitement. And then now as, as you move into or as I'm moving into a new position, then the anxiety starts to build up and you think about all that you want to accomplish. And it seems so overwhelming. Um, right. So that's where I am now. Oh, no. Awesome. And, and it's almost a good segue in terms of where I wanted to go with the conversation. I mean, as we've just discussed, you've moved around a number of times. I'd love to get some of your insight of maybe what you do or perhaps some best practices that that you do when you are introducing yourself or moving to a new organization and how are you integrating to, you know, because you're this new leader in this organization, like, is there anything specific that you do as you come in? Sure. So I think the biggest thing is, and perhaps it's, it's helpful. Every time I've gone into a new organization, I come in without a, a defined role. It's some new thing that's never existed before. And, uh, and so I don't come in with any kind of assumptions about how things should be, which I think is really helpful. I come in and try to get the lay of the land and understand who everybody is, meet everybody. That's the best part. Finding out people's dreams, people's strengths. Um, so I, I usually spend time going around, meeting a bunch of different people, getting an idea of how what they do and what I do and sort of our general mission, how they all synergize, how they all fit together um, and then move on from there. And if there are times when I have been coming in and I've been leading people, I really have tried to have a round table kind of leadership experience where everybody feels that they can come to the table and contribute to the agenda for the meeting. So we do these collaborative agendas where we say, well, what is important to everybody mm-hmm. to talk about today? And then we collaboratively go through and prioritize, well, this is going to be our number one because we really feel that's important. And then, you know, maybe something we'll have to defer 
And that way, everybody has a chance to to speak. That's so important. No, that's that's definitely important. And the many business leaders that I've talked to who who move, you know, different organizations or even within departments, it's always really getting on the same page with the with the existing team and and just listening, right? And exactly. Finding out, and finding out what what needs to be done. And obviously, when that's done, you could put in your vision and see where it needs to go. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying the conversation I'm having with Laura. If you'd like to keep in touch, join me on my free private Facebook group where I share insights, answer questions, and connect you to like-minded leaders in my community. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. Now let's get back to it. As we talk about leadership, is there anything that you do now that ensures that you're continually to grow and develop as a, as a business leader, Laura? So many things. I'm Probably the most important thing is mentorship. And that's another reason I, I picked health tech, because I felt that Suzanne and Terry uh, are such incredible leaders in the field. And just getting to work with them and learn what they've learned along the way will be extremely helpful, I think. Um, and, and additionally, additionally, I, I read a lot. Um, I continue to do my meditation and my psychotherapy practice. And I have to tell you, really, <laughs> I learned so much from my practice that is useful in business. There's a beautiful synergy there. Oh, tell, tell me, tell me some of the... Uh the alignment that you've seen or at least recently seen and you're like, Oh man, I'm all this alignment's pretty amazing. Sure. So, um, I actually, I just read a book called Mindsight by Daniel uh, Siegel. And he has this wonderful picture in there that talks about what is mental health, which is an interesting question actually, because I think we all can imagine what mental illness is, but what is mental health? Mm -hmm. And from his perspective, it's an integrated brain. And he has this beautiful simplification in this image where you see a, a woman on a boat going down a river. And on one shore, everything is kind of like a crazy jungle. And it says the word chaos. And on the other shore, there is rigidity and everything's sort of blocked out. And this is the model for mental health. So you, you stay away from the shore of chaos. You don't want to get lost in chaos. And you stay away from the shore of rigidity because you don't want to get stuck with a rigid mind. And then you're in the flow. And that is a healthy mindset. The I interesting. Yeah, I really like that? love that. I really love that visualization. I, uh, I'm definitely going to look that up. Uh, but uh, I didn't. I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you have another point on that? That flow of uh, of mental health. Yes, because it relates to organizations. So you think about what makes a healthy organization. You you can't get lost in chaos, and you can't get stuck in rigidity. You have to find that flow and stay in it. And so it's it's always a an activity or or. A, an awareness of, hey, am I getting a little too close to those shores of chaos or am I getting a little too close to those shores of rigidity? And is that preventing me from continuing to move forward and then making some corrections? 
No, I mean, it's, I, I love that. I love that, uh, just that image. And it really makes sense, f- not only for, like you said, mental health, but also for business. It's totally, <laughs> that totally, thank you for sharing that. I think anyone listening will, will definitely have to pick up that book and, and we'll list that as well on the episode page. One thing that I really want to just come back to, Laura, is, uh, is is mindfulness i mean you talk about meditating and i i do meditate as well i i, I try to practice I, I mean i have a two-year-old daughter so it's very difficult to find it <laughs> but two-year-old uh, daughters are wonderful meditation opportunities oh no trust me when uh when i tried to do my meditation with her she would sit with me for like a whole three seconds but <laughs> but, but it, I, actually i i was i was proud that she she sees this early on in her life um but uh i'm sure you you uh, you you could we could talk about this but i'd i'd love to f- you know get your thoughts on on mindfulness especially in the workplace because you you talked about it starting your workday meditating like at, in the office or in the car yeah absolutely um and when when i am working when i lead meetings i think my team will tell you that i i often start a meeting with a 3 minute meditation just to have everybody take the opportunity of seeing where they're, where they are right, right at that moment, where are they coming from? What kind of thoughts are they bringing or or maybe stuck in as they come into the meeting? What kind of emotions are there and having the opportunity to, to stop and say, Oh, wow, I'm really bringing a lot from the last meeting into this meeting and then take a few moments to just breathe and, brings them more to the table so they can be present for whatever meeting we are actually having at that period of time. So I think that's helpful. Do you lead really? that? Do you lead that three minute or do you, does everyone, I mean, do you have the voice and you let them go through it? I like that. That's an amazing yeah, I, practice. I lead it. I lead it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when we encounter tough things in the middle of a meeting, I'll ask if it would be helpful for them to take a pause to do another one. And often I, get the yes. So we'll do it again. I, um, I wonder, I, I, I wonder if that would be, if that would work in different segments of industry, whether it's, well, there are certainly, I mean, if you don't know your team, there are definitely going to be people who look at you oddly. <laughs> exactly. That's what's going through my mind right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, that's one of the benefits of leading a team is that you can make something like that acceptable. Um, but more importantly is, is just having it as an independent or private practice that you can go to when you're at work to help bring awareness to, to the emotions that are coming up and honor them and say, wow, look at me getting kind of upset about that. This is a great opportunity to take a step back and, and explore what are those thoughts, emotions, and body sensations that are coming up. And maybe they're appropriate. Maybe they're not but really taking a step back before you take action based on um, more of a reactive response to something. Now that's great. So maybe for the benefits of the listener, Laura, what would you recommend if they've never tried meditation or being mindful? Like how would you tell them to get started or, or what would be your tip for them? Oh, well, that's a tough one. Um, I think that, it can be tough to start on your own. And, and even if you begin meditating, um, I think it's easy to, to get lost if you don't have some mentorship along the way. 
we can get stuck in our shoulds. Um, this is the way meditation should be. You know, I shouldn't have thoughts or I should feel quote unquote relaxed. And th- that really isn't the intention of the kind of meditation that I practice. And I'm, I'm not sure that that's the kind of meditation that leads to a greater self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So I would say find a group that you want to, to start with. Um, mindfulness meditation classes exist. I lead mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, promote a little bit of myself there out of the Center for Mindfulness Studies. That's a really great way to start because it it walks you through many different types of meditation, not just the, the meditation that happens sitting on your cushion, but also walking meditation, moving meditation, and bringing, bringing mindfulness into everyday activities from you know, brushing your teeth to sitting in a business meeting. Right. No, I mean, or taking care or taking care of your two year old. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And coming home and just trying to be fully present for them, even though you had, even though if you had a bad meeting or a bad call or whatever happened, but it's, uh, it's definitely important. And it, it just reminds me that I need to also get more of that type of mentorship for myself as I grow and, and really discover those type of journeys for sure. Um, I'd love to, find out if you have anyone in your life or any couple of people who had a tremendous impact on you uh, as a leader. There have been so many people. It's really hard to pick out just one or two. So I I might have to go through a couple. Sure. (laughs) I would say (laughs) probably the biggest one um, on on the topic of two-year-olds is um, my mother. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, she just instilled in me this belief that if you didn't like the way something was in the world, it was your responsibility to work to change it. And I don't think that I would have developed into a leader or taken on leadership roles if I didn't have that strong conviction. So yay, mom, for starting the whole thing. Yay, mom. Shout outs to mom. Yay. Shout out to mom. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, mom didn't teach me at that point that you had to pick your battles. And so that's what I have been learning along the way, that you can't do everything. So you have to figure out what's most important to you. And I think um, when it comes to to actually just business in general, one of the best mentors I ever had was uh, Peter Wagner, who was the chief financial officer. And at one point, he was the chief informatics officer at Humber River Hospital And he would sit us down in his office and have just so practical conversations. He would share his experiences. And I remember these stories he told about his life and would take lessons out of them. One of them, I'm still telling myself this story. Um, We were rushing to a meeting and he said, now don't rush. And he shared a story about a, a nun that he was working with who who told him when he was quite young, you shouldn't rush to a meeting because then everybody who's watching you is going to become anxious and think that something is wrong or, or just generally feel a bit agitated. And as a leader, you need to be calm and well-possessed and 
I think about that a lot, probably because I am totally a rusher. I would run everywhere if I could. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I, I pull myself down to a walk with that little story. But no, I mean, that really makes sense. And uh, sometimes people who are very anxious around me because, I mean, just, just my journey of being a tech entrepreneur and dealing with a lot of high, high, like sort of high failures when it comes to systems. I'm super calm. And people around me always tell me, Edwin, thank you for being calm. Like, I think you just helped me. And I did nothing. I was just like, not over. <laughs> I was just not overreacting. I was just, that's right. okay, let's just figure this out. But that, that that's a really important point to really, I mean, you know, you, you hear both sides, right? Where your, where your emotions on the shoulders or don't wear your emotions on the shoulders. So I think there's a, there's a way for both, but I guess for your point was, was about rushing, right? Yes. So moving around. And actually, along those lines, there was a, another story he said about um, when you have too much on your plate and you feel like you're just running around lost in the forest, sit down, make a fire, open a can of beans. And then when you're feeling full and well rested, climb the nearest tree and plan your exit. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I love that. That's yeah. a, that's a that, that could be a mic drop. I think <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And uh, the name of the the person was Peter Wagner. Peter Wagner. Thank you, Peter Wagner, for that insight uh, and uh, inspiration for sure. I, I mean, on that note, I know you mentioned a book. Are there any other leadership books or, or inspirational books that? maybe you're currently reading or something that you would recommend to to someone that you're mentoring right now to to get them on the right path? Sure. So I actually, I just finished a book that I thought was something that was a must read to become a consultant. And it was, it was called, I'm sorry, I broke your company. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. It, the, so the subtitle is when management consultants are the problem, not the solution. And it's by Karen Fallon. It's a wonderful read, really. It basically says everything you learned in business school is just complete bunk. <laughs> Throw it out the door. And really what it comes down to is bringing common sense to the table and valuing relationships, Very, which I think is so. No, that's great. And did you read that as you're going to this new role? I read it before I started. I, I thought that it was a prerequisite. <laughs> no, I mean that, that that sounds great for anyone listening, you know, getting into management consulting or or, or is a consultant, I guess. It'd be a it'd be an amazing book, right, to read? Absolutely. Actually it's it's great for anybody who's gone through business school because you, you hear all these wonderful theories and seeing how they play out in the real world. Um, and getting kind of the negative side of some of those theories so you can understand how you might fall into some traps. It's really helpful. That's great. Fun question, Laura. If I were to ask any of your, I guess your current team is still new, but maybe past, present, colleagues, peers, what's the best leadership quality that you have? What do you think they would say? Well, I've heard a lot. Um, I've heard a lot of things that they value, and I think different people value different things depending on what it is that they need in their lives. Um, I actually, I just, I got this, lovely goodbye card uh, from one of my employees at Humber who said they, that the three top qualities that he always thought of, top, top leadership qualities that he thought of when he thought of me was knowledge, strength, and compassion. Mm-hmm. 
And it's interesting, though, as I, I look at that and, and react to that, and I think knowledge will, um, you know, my experience, I can bring my experience, and I have so much more to learn. Sure. <laughs> and strengths can sometimes be your weakness. So mm, got to be careful with that one. But the one that I am pleased about that made me feel like, yes, okay, I, I'm getting some par- someplace is the compassion. Um I feel strongly about it. I feel that that leadership without compassion isn't going to move the world in a positive direction. And I I try to instill that value in in people that I'm working with as well how important it is to be compassionate to others. Yeah, leadership with compassion. Uh, I love that. Um, thank you for sharing that. And I guess, thank you for the cards that you received on your, on your exit. That, that, that must have felt good. I mean, as well as you left because it was a hard decision, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what else, what else is going on in, in your world? I mean, I know you have a ton of things now, new, new projects, new initiatives, but is there anything else, anything fun, anything that you'd love to share with the listeners that you're like super excited about? Well, <laughs> um, I mean, my new job in general is is super exciting and goodness knows where that's going to go. I, I think one of the things that might be a very interesting spinoff from this new job is is having the time to really sit and think about um, the kind of value that a chief medical informatics officer can provide to an organization and taking the time to maybe flush out a bit of a curriculum for what education in that field might be like, because right now in Canada, you don't have a course that you can take in order to learn how to be a CMIO. Um, you, you don't have any specialty designation as a CMIO. Mm-hmm. And it would be wonderful if some of my new job could be working with others to forward that as a specialty in medicine. So that's super exciting. Uh, and that's a new specialty. I mean, can you imagine? And, Yay! <laughs> yeah, and and you're just putting it out there. You heard it here first. Let's 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 all work together to get that to get that on on the table. All right. So maybe I'll I'll just harp on that a little bit longer. I think that um, one of the struggles that we're going to have in implementing technology in healthcare is. Uh, getting the physician buy-in and the physician leadership necessary to be successful. And it's going to be very difficult to do that when you aren't encouraging physicians to to take this on as a full-time specialty. Right. So until we have that, that kind of more Canada-wide recognition that this is a specialty in and of itself, then I don't think that we're going to see the leadership we need to be truly successful and maybe world leaders in this area. I mean, that's, that's super interesting. And I mean, I guess that's, that's where the challenges are set, but I think, I think it's all doable, right? Especially if you have the right people who are passionate about it and it looks like it may start with you. Well, as as long as I can facilitate it, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm really seeing my new position as being in service of those CMIO colleagues who are still working in hospitals, doing uh, doing two jobs, seeing patients, and helping their organization move forward. If I can can help them get a little further, that's really what it's all about. 
So before we end, Laura, do you have any final thoughts, observations? Ideally, love to get some type of actionable recommendations that you can share to those listeners, those emerging business leaders who who are listening today. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I guess I'd say when you when you make choices, make choices that are going to leave you with no regrets. It might be that whatever it is that you choose doesn't work out in the long run. And that's okay because you get to choose again. You can always choose again. But the thing that you can't do is you can't go back and try something that you didn't or back in time and try something that you didn't do at that time. So no regrets. Don't be deterred by fear. Um, And be compassionate and try to develop that compassion as a practice because it doesn't come easily and naturally. I think we, we all have to work on taking other people's perspectives and really caring about other people in the workplace. Um, so along those lines, try out some meditation and mindfulness techniques. Awesome. To close, can you tell us where we can find more information about you? Um, I guess your new organization and anything else you'd, you'd love to share with us today? Sure. So my new organization has a website, www.healthtech.ca, and you can find out more about us there. Um, You can also look me up at the Center for Mindfulness Studies, where I am a facilitator. I teach mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, as do a bunch of other really fantastic facilitators out of that center. So those are other places you can look for me. Awesome. And you can also look me up on LinkedIn. Great. Well, I mean... It's been an absolute pleasure, Laura. Thank you for taking the time and joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Edwin, for making this a painless procedure. It's been great fun. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode number 77 with Laura Copeland. If you want to learn more about Laura, health tech, or anything else we discussed, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 077. Our sponsors today are Lux Second Chance, the leader in online luxury resale. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening to the podcast today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Help me.